kind of different for me, I will say. Um, when Dustin had asked me to speak a few, year, few years, a few weeks ago, knowing that the men were going to be at the retreat this week, I started asking God, you know, what do you want me to say? And one morning, um, I was walking through the kitchen on my way to grab my Bible in the living room where I have my little cubby that I, I sit in the morning and, and with my cup of coffee and have some alone time with God. And I clearly heard God tell me, not audibly, but you know how you, you know when you know. And so I started studying and I'm like, okay, God, I feel this is kind of weird, but okay, we're just going to go with it. And um, so I've been preparing because I never want to get up and share something with you if I don't think it's from God. I don't want it to be from Crystal, you know. You need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. And so I was telling Renee the other day, I just, I was starting to doubt, like, okay, it's getting closer, but what if this isn't really what God wants me to say? And so I, I was just walking through the house. The men were at the retreat, so I was by myself, and I was singing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, you know. And God said, do you? Look, like, ooh. Okay, so we're going there. We're just going there, okay? Okay, so I feel like, and you'll understand when I say this, why I feel like it's kind of weird, but I just so highly respect the men of our church. Not every church has the men leadership that this church has. I don't know if you're aware or not. But men, we respect you. We see you. And thank you for the men that were able to get away for a few hours of sun fun, fun in the sun, because you need it, and we're glad, and even more importantly, that you were taking time to seek God's face, how to be better husbands, how to be better dads, how to be better men of God, and I feel like this message today is kind of like a response from the women of the church. Men, you are not alone. Keep pursuing God. And you know what? We women are too. And we're not going to expect you to carry all of the weight, all the responsibility of our families, of our community, of our church, but we're going to be right beside you all the way. Okay. Whew. Sorry, I'm going to be a weepy mess, I can tell. Okay, but where do we start? We start at the beginning, and I know several messages lately have referred back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, but we're going back there because the beginning is always a really good place to start. And so we flip to Genesis 1.1, and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everybody know that from Sunday school? And then if you're reading the King James Version, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And if you're like me, you're like, huh? Basically, in my mind, I imagine that God took a big black ball of nothing, and he created this beautiful planet called Earth for us. As we read through chapter 1, we see he creates the sun, moon, stars. He says, yeah, it's good. He creates the grass, the trees. Yeah, it's good. Birds, the animals, fish, it's good. Then he gets to 26, verse 26, and we see God say, okay, I'm getting ready to make something new, a new creature and it's a human being, and it's going to be created in my image. Verse 27 says, so God created human beings. I'm reading the NLT. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. 
Then he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful, multiply. Then he said, fill the earth and govern it, control it. He says, reign over the fish, the birds, the animals. Take care of this creation that I just made. It's your job now to take care of it. And then in verse 31, he says, the Bible says, then God looked over all he had made. And he said, that is very good. Then we go to chapter 2. And at first when you start reading chapter 2, you're not sure what's going on because you're like, okay, I just read creation. So, but basically it's more detail of creation, especially this special human being that God had made in his likeness. We look in verse 7 and it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. He gave him some CPR. And he became a human being, a living, breathing person. And God explains in his word how he created this beautiful garden. It was paradise. Lots of trees and just perfection. There were some rivers running through this garden to keep everything hydrated just perfectly. And the man's job was to tend it. But then we get to verse 18, and God sees something that's not good. God says, it is not good for man to be alone. God said, I'm going to make him a helper who is just right for him. This would be a really good place, guys, if you're married and you're sitting by your wife to look her square in the eye and say, baby, you're just right for me. I'm waiting. Do it. Do it. <laughs> then scripture goes on and it tells us a man is busy and because God's sending him all the animals. All the animals are coming by and the guy is naming them. The man is naming them. You know, I can just imagine this big old fat, you know, gray thing with a big trunk walking by and his job is to name it. I can see him thinking, okay, let's call. That's an elephant. Okay, and then this, this animal with this big long neck and he's yellow and brown spotted and he's like, okay, giraffe. Yeah, I think that sounds right, giraffe. And then there's this little furry thing that keeps rubbing up against his ankle going, meow, meow, you know. Okay, let's name him uh, Kitten. He's a little cat. And then God decides to fix the problem that he had seen that was so, so bad. It wasn't good. In verse 21 tells us, the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and God performed the first surgery. As the man slept, he removed a rib from his side, and then he closed it back up. And from this rib, the Bible tells us that he created woman. And the Bible tells us, I'm not making this up, that when God brought the woman to the man, he got really excited the Bible said he exclaimed, exclaimed, at last. And the Bible has an exclamation mark. At last. Because he said, this one, this one, she's not like the rest. No, because she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He said, this one, let's name woman. Because she, was, she came from man. And then verse 24 says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined together with his wife, and the two, the two unite into one. 
They were different, but they were united into one. You know, the Bible earlier in chapter 2, it tells us that there was no weeds even in this garden. Like there was nothing wrong, so I'm sure there were no arguments, there were no disagreements, because these people who were made in God's image were united into one. And this, if you really want to be technical, is when God looks back at everything he had made, because remember, it says he had just made male and female, he created them. That's when God said, this is really good. This is very good. But as we know, that is not the end of the story. We flip over a few more pages and we see that God had given them one little rule to follow. That's all. Just one. And he told them not to eat from just one of the trees. There were tons of trees, but one of them, he said, don't. Don't eat of it. But remember, they were human beings. And what do we human beings want to do when we told not to do something? We do it, and they did it. But also know that there are laws set in place, spiritual laws as well as natural laws. And if we break them, there are consequences to be paid. How many has little children and you've said, if you do that, there's going to be a consequence. And when they do it, there's a consequence. But do you love them less? No, really, biblically, if you do that, you love them more. Did you know that? The Bible says that. And so God still loved them every bit as much as he ever had. But there had to be consequences. You know, I like to think of um, like the law of gravity. You know, you can tell me all day long that you don't believe in the law of gravity, that you think it's really dumb that some people think that. But I can tell you, if you step off the top of a building, you're going to pay the consequence of the law. And so let's get back to what the consequences were. So God pulls them in. He's saying, okay, guys, it's going to hurt me more than you. No. Uh, He says, okay, to the woman. You know, let's focus on the woman since this is a response from the women. He's like, okay, the consequence or the curse that you're going to have to pay now is twofold. Did you women know it's twofold? The first one, anybody that's ever given birth knows really well that we're going to have babies and it's going to hurt. That was the first part. But who knows the second part? God said to her, you will desire to control your husband, but he is going to rule over you. So how are we supposed to get back to doing the plan that God had originally set up in place when one is manipulating, trying to control the other, and the other one's trying to be bossy and be the ruler? Well, it's not easy, and to be really honest, if the Bible ended at the third chapter of Genesis, we'd all be sunk. Let's be real, but it doesn't. Even though they had failed, God didn't stop his plan. He still has a plan, and he's still planning on using us, the human beings that he made in his image, even though we're so broken and we're so different. He still has a plan that we can come together as one to fulfill his purpose, and his mission. In fact, I love the Old Testament. You, you can read through it, and you see various examples of this. But, you know, he uses married couples like Abraham and Sarah. 
you know, that God said go, so they did. You know, he said, you're going to have so many kids in the future. They're going to be as many as the stars in the sky. So they just kept believing. They did some stuff that wasn't really smart because they were human. But the one thing they did really well is they kept together. They had one mind, one accord. They were headed for the promise that God said he was going to give them. Amen. And then there are siblings that are, we, are, we read about in the Bible that God uses, like Moses. Everybody knows Moses. That you know, He went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. You know the story. But he didn't do his ministry by himself. No. Do you know that? His two older siblings helped him. So he had a brother, Aaron, who became the high priest of Israel. But he would literally go in with Moses to Pharaoh and say, you know, our God says, let, let my people go. He was the mouthpiece for Moses until Moses worked up the confidence to start, part, you know, talking for himself. He was the one that would hold out his staff and God would perform the miracle until Moses got the confidence. See, yeah, I can do this myself. And then one time there was a raging battle going on. Moses, every time he kept his hands up, as long as he kept his hands up, they were winning the battle. But he was getting so tired, and when he'd let his arms down, they'd start losing. So big brother Aaron pulled up a rock, grabbed one of his friends, and together they kept his arms lifted until they won the battle. What a good big brother, huh? And then big sister Miriam, I think I relate a little bit to her, but she was a praise and worship leader. The Bible tells us that when she brought the children, when the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea, when God brought them through, she grabbed a tambourine and started dancing and singing and leading the people in worship. That was her ministry. She was a worship leader. And so, um, but also if you read through the scripture, they didn't always agree on everything. They didn't always see eye to eye. But the one thing they did really well was they had one goal. They had to get these children of Israel across to the promised land. And God used them mightily. And then here's a random uh, example. Just three people just randomly happened to be in history at the same time that God used for one purpose. If you read in the book of Judges, that was before there were kings and there were judges that were ruling Israel. And we read in chapter 4 that Israel were so, they were so wicked. They just were so bad that God had just turned them over to a Canaanite king that treated them horribly. After about 20 years, they started crying out to God, okay, we need help, God, help us. And so God used a woman named Deborah, who was the judge of Israel at that time. Not only was she a judge, but she was a prophetess. And God would give her a word for someone. And so one time, God told her she needed to call in this mighty warrior named Barak, or Barak, however you want to pronounce it, because... Um, God had a message for him, and the message was gather together a big army of mighty warriors because the enemy's going down. Right. So she did. He comes from out of town, and she meets with him, and he said, I'll do it. I'll do it if you go with me. So she did. Together, they gathered this army together, and they start attacking the enemy. And the Bible tells us, like, they were, they were just knocking off soldiers because the battle was starting to be won, but it wasn't completed. One guy got away who was the commander of the enemy army. His name was Sisera. And as he escaped, he found a tent. And there was a lady that lived in the tent named Jael. She was just a stay-at-home wife. Her husband must have been out tending sheep or whatever he was doing, but she was home. 
And he came, and he's like, I need to hide. I need to. She's like, yeah, come on in. She had such a, a spiritual gift of hospitality. She had him come in. She gave him some milk. The Bible says she gave him some milk to drink, and then she gave him a blanket. And he laid down on the floor and took a nice nap because he was so exhausted. But see, God had prepared her for this moment. See, the women in those days that lived in tents, it was their job to take care of the tent. So they got really, really good at using a hammer and a spike. Yeah. So she sneaks up on him, and she's got her spike and her hammer. He's sleeping, and she pounds the spike right through his temple into the ground. It's Bible. I'm not that creative. It's Bible. But see what happened? How random. There was a woman judge who was a prophetess and a mighty warrior and this random person that was good with a hammer and spike. But together, they had one goal. They wanted to win over the enemy. And the Bible tells us at the end of that chapter that as these things happened, Israel became stronger and stronger, and they eventually annihilated. They won the battle. God loves to use people that are different as long as they are one in purpose. We turn over to the New Testament, and Jesus walks in on the scene. He's here on earth in the flesh, and his ministry begins, and he's fulfilling prophecy after prophecy, and he's got men that are following him. He's got women that are following him. He's healing men and healing women, and um, it comes a time when he knows his ministry on earth is coming to an end. So he tells his followers, I have to go away, but I'm going to send you a gift. I'm going to send you a comforter, a, a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he is going to lead you into all truth. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power. So, yeah, that's a mighty good gift Jesus is going to send. The one stipulation, you have to go to, to Jerusalem and you have to wait. Wait it out. It's coming, but you have to wait. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 8, it, or chapter 1 says that there was about 120 people that had gathered together, all in this upper room, and it lists both men and women, and they had one goal in mind. They were waiting for the promise that was coming their way. They were praying all with one prayer. One thing they had, they wanted so badly, every one of them. And then it happened in chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, there was a mighty rushing wind that filled the house where they were sitting. And little flames of fire sat upon their heads. And then they all men and women, received the gift. They received the Holy Spirit, and they all began to speak with other languages, and they received this power. Jesus told them they would receive power, and I know that because look at Peter. At the end of the Gospels, what was Peter doing? He was running and hiding because he didn't want anybody to know that he knew Jesus because he was afraid. He was scared, but not now. He was bold. Using the gift that God had given him, he stood up and he started preaching to the people that, you know what? This guy that you guys just killed, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And many were believing and coming to Jesus. 
but he wasn't the only one that was using his ministry, his giftings, his callings. But there were even a couple little ladies that you read about in the book of Acts. You may or may not have heard them. One was named Lydia, one Tabitha. One of them had a heart to help the poor. She was so kind, the Bible says, and she would make coats and she would make clothes and give it to the poor and take care of the poor. That was her ministry. There was the other lady, was a wealthy lady. The Bible says she was a seller of purple. I'm not sure what that means, but I think it means she had money. And she would open her house and just have people come in, have church in my house. Just come on in. And together with everybody doing their part, the name of Jesus was being proclaimed throughout the world. I just love that, that God can use different to become one. In fact, I know it's not going to be easy because Paul puts it this way in Ephesians. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, if it was easy, he wouldn't say make every effort. Do you ever tell anybody, make every effort, you, you know, if it's not going to be hard? So, yeah, it's hard because we're so different. It's hard sometimes to understand how can God take different giftings and different talents and different personalities and men and women and children and do his work as one. But that's the way he's got it set up. I mean, if you go back to chapter 1, when God first tells us he created male and female, he created them, and then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. How many knows you need different to multiply? And God still uses different to multiply. There are so many hurting people in our world, so many confused people in our world, and they need to know Jesus. They need to know that there is an answer, and it's our job to come together as one. In fact, another scripture that Paul tells us in Galatians, there are no longer Jews, Gentiles, slave, free, male, female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I can look around, and I can see we're different. We're still different, even though we're believers and we're one in Christ. I think, I like to look at it like this, when he says, there is no longer Jew versus Gentile. It's no longer them or them. No longer slave and free. No longer male versus female. No. We come together as one in Christ. So what does that look like today? I, I like to think logically, how do we apply that today? And this is what I think. I think it means men, continue pursuing God. If you're not sure of your calling, if you're not sure of your gifting, we have classes on Saturday morning that will help. Pursue. And you know those gifts and talents that you know you have? Fine-tune them. We're going to need to be the very best at everything we are. And as you're doing that, we women... We're going to be doing it too. And the children even. I want the children to join us. And then I want to let you know, men, we are going to join hands at the foot of the cross. And we're going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because someday every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess.
confess that Jesus is Lord. And we're going to spread that message arm in arm. It's not just you men's job. It's not just we women's job. It's not just the children's job. It's us all becoming one. One, even though we're different. Don't get upset at me if I don't have your calling. Don't get upset at me if I don't have your ministry. Because I have to do mine. You have to do yours. Paul put it so perfectly when he talks about we're all different. We're hands and feet and heads, and which we're all different. But we're one body in Christ. So we will join hands and we will do the one mission we are called to do. And Jesus made it perfectly plain in Matthew 28, 19. And it's to all of us when he said, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples how to obey my commandments. They won't know if we don't teach them. And then he says this beautiful thing. Jesus said, be sure of this. I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Yes, we're many different but we're one in mission. We are one in mission. You know, I was thinking back. I can just imagine God when he had made this perfect male and female and brought them all together as one, and then he said, Phew, that's very good. You know what I want? I want God to be looking over the edge of heaven, looking down at the bridge church and saying, hey, angels, come check this out. This is very good. They are getting it. They can be different, yes, but they can become one. So that's what I'm telling you today. Let's just be one. Don't be weary in well-doing. Let's just be one. Where I'm strong, maybe you're weak. Let's help each other. God has made us all different, but yet he's called us to be one.